Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome back, everyone. Kelly and Chelsea here. And today is our final, but certainly not last ever, episode on the intricacies of TikTok. Today, we'll be discussing your role as a parent in navigating TikTok and just generally regarding how to talk to your kids about TikTok as you prepare to perhaps give them the app. Because this is such a phenomenon, really such a monstrous influence in our society, and if your kids are in any sort of public spaces, such as school, sports, church, they are bound to hear about the app TikTok. So they're going to be curious and they'll most likely want the app for themselves. So we want to equip you with conversation points that can help you present the reality of TikTok's values and risks to your children. Right. We definitely recommend going back and listening to episodes 88 and and 90, The Power of TikTok's Algorithm and TikTok Influencers and the Shaping of Kids' Ideologies. Um, If you did listen but forgot some details because they came out a couple weeks ago, that's okay. We're just going to do a quick recap. So children in the U.S. spend an average of 80 minutes per day on the app. Kids uh, between the ages of 10 and 19 make up the largest group of users at 32%. And TikTok's algorithm is infamous for quickly nailing down a person's specific interests. They do this by analyzing how long you linger on a video, what content you create, the comments you post, and even the settings on your phone. And as Christians, one of the most concerning aspects of the algorithm is its push towards hyper-consumerism, fame, and wealth. I mean, these desires, they work out against the character of a believer as they manifest in things like covetousness or greed or envy. How we see the algorithm and desire for fame play out is with influencers. Gather up enough followers and anyone can be an influencer on TikTok. It doesn't matter what type of content you create or if your content is accurate or truthful or moral or even necessary. We talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect where confidence is super high with a little bit of knowledge and how this little bit of knowledge translates to the viewer who then becomes overly confident with that little bit of knowledge. Besides the concerns of desiring fame and wealth by becoming an influencer, which we learned is really just not all that it's cracked up to be, Another great concern is that of worldview. Kids consuming content are easily exposed and influenced to believe just secular and possibly even dangerous worldviews and ideologies, which ultimately could lead them away from God and towards the many, many ways of the world. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thanks, Chelsea. That's a great overview. So today we're going to cover five talking points. And we're covering these because we know that as your kids begin asking for TikTok, and then asking and asking and asking, you're going to want to start conversations about TikTok so that they can kind of be equipped and prepared. And so this podcast is going to equip and prepare you to at least hold out into the age of 16, which of course is our recommendation. But first, we've got these talking points. So Chelsea, go ahead and kick us off with our first one. Right. The first talking point is challenges. We haven't mentioned TikTok challenges as of yet, and this is actually a pretty big deal. With 500 million users, it should come as no surprise that the craziest of challenges can become viral. Everything from swallowing Tide Pods and pulling condoms over your face to the Skull Breaker and the Blackout Challenge, 
there are major concerns here that your child needs to know about. And many of these challenges are considered dangerous and have been the cause of many injuries and even deaths. Now, TikTok technically prohibits content that glorifies dangerous acts, but as we all know, lots of content can still get through, especially as it becomes viral and so many people are trying it. We've discussed the blackout challenge where seven children under the age of 12 have accidentally taken their lives, which is tragic. But there's also the NyQuil challenge where, Kelly, this is so gross, you cook chicken in NyQuil cough syrup. Like, is that a real thing? I think they call it sleepy chicken. Stop it. (laughs) It's so gross. I mean, immediately when it came out, people were like, this is unsafe. All these, you know, healthcare people. Right. Like, right. Do not cook your chicken in NyQuil. But it was a real thing. It really was. Did the chicken, it had to have turned like blue. Green. Because it was, like, yeah, green, like blue green. It was green. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gross. Marine chicken. Hmm. There's also the penny challenge where you place a penny in a live outlet to make a spark. I, I could have sworn I taught my kids not to stick things in outlets when they were little, but you know. TikTok's um, te- teaching the opposite. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Just undoing all my parenting. Then there's the fire mirror challenge where you film yourself after covering your mirror in Vaseline and then setting it on fire. There's also the milk crate challenge where you climb on top of a tower of milk crates and jump off. Or the Benadryl challenge where you take tons of Benadryl in order to get high. And let's tie a bow on this very lovely list (laughs) with the cereal challenge where you pour cereal and milk into another person's open mouth and eat out of it like a bowl. It's gross. I don't know I why anybody would do this. <laughs> I don't know. I, because they've been influenced by TikTok. That's why. Because <laughs> I want fame. Okay, so the takeaway from this dangerous and crazily ignorant list of challenges is that it's really easy to get swept up in the trendiness of a popular challenge. Talk to your kids about the risks of participating in any of these, whether at home or at a friend's house. An adult should always approve of and be involved in the performing and filming of any challenge. Role play, where you're the friend trying to get your child to participate in a challenge. What are they going to say to ward off the peer pressure and attempt to get an adult involved? Have them practice this. I think that's a great idea. Just having these conversations about, hey, these are these challenges. People have died. People have been majorly injured. That's super important. So many parents are not even having those conversations about it. And you know, one that wasn't on the list that became a really big deal that I know that our middle school principal sent an email out is it would, the challenge was to steal um, equipment, if you will, out of public bathrooms. And so they were doing it at the school, like the paper towel rack or the soap dispenser, toilet paper type things. And so the schools were all being vandalized. Because it was filming this sort of vandalism. That was the challenge. And so (laughs) we received an email. And of course, I emailed the principal back. Thank you (laughs) so much for sending this out saying, parents, please have these conversations with your kids. This is not okay. This is vandalism. So there's that. No, but it's not vandalism if you're trying to get fame and like trendiness and followers right yeah. and it's well it, to the, we they're renaming it I yeah mean, hey <laughs> <laughs> if you remember our kids frontal lobes are not developed they can't see right and wrong all the time especially middle school those are rough years I feel like all right vandalism should be pretty for straight and forward think, hey you would think hey, that's just me <laughs> all right so second talking point 
And that is explicit content. Also something we need to talk to our kids about. Brave parents, I don't think I have to remind you that in our culture, as well as in every generation's culture throughout the history of time, sadly, sex sells. And while that is a mournful and grievous reality, we have to accept this reality in advance with great caution when it comes to our children and unknown online content, because we don't know what's going to appear next through that algorithm. So while not all content on TikTok is pornographic, a large portion is definitely suggestive and seductive. So of course, that brings up two main problems with this. Number one, our sons will, not just may, but almost certainly will linger over or re-watch suggestive and seductive videos of women just long enough for the algorithm to begin delivering more and more of this type of content to him. That We have to understand our young boys and men are visual. This is going to definitely, uh, they're going to be attracted to that type of content. So this topic requires way more than just a quick conversation about TikTok, of course, but nonetheless, this should be a reason why you hold out allowing TikTok until they are 16, but talking about this exposure to this explicit content with our sons is um, definitely a big reason why. And then, of course, the second problem would be our daughters. They see the same content, but instead of being aroused by it, they become inspired by its popularity and the number of likes. And so then as girls begin to absorb this cultural message that sexy and provocative wins on TikTok, before you know it, they are compromising their own values, morals, purity, and pursuit of this online validation. Again, this should be a big reason why we are waiting until 16 to begin giving kids the app of TikTok on their phones. And when you're talking about TikTok you know, with your daughter and they push back, you know, saying, oh, you're just so out of touch with the world, <laughs> kindly and gently remind them if everyone on TikTok is doing this, yet everyone is also depressed, anxious, and suicidal, something is not working. Something, these two don't go together. You can't sexually express yourself on a global platform like this and expect to be feeling whole and, and pure and good and right, like all of these things, right? So you're doing your job as a parent to help her avoid those feelings of shame, guilt, regret of what she might be putting out there. And that's hard, but you got to do the brave hard work of, of protecting your kids in that regard. Absolutely. It is hard. It's really hard, but I think it's anything doing well is you're going to do, it's going to be hard. Anything worth anything, it takes sacrifice. So the third talking point is government and privacy concerns. If you listen to any news recently, you probably saw that TikTok has now been banned on government-issued devices in 31 states. Now, that was as of January 16th of 2023. This came about due to national security concerns with TikTok's Chinese-based parent company, ByteDance, and the data they could be potentially collecting or already collecting. We don't really know for sure. Since then, there has been lots of buzzing regarding TikTok being banned on college campuses. The University of Georgia, Auburn University, University of Texas, Texas A&M, University of Oklahoma, just to name a few. Now, of course, college students, however, they're not phased by this. They're just using cellular data or a VPN to still access the app. This national conversation provides an open door to talk about or to continue the discussion around TikTok with your kids. 
Can your child articulate why excessive shared data could be bad, especially on a government-issued device? Make it a world economic lesson and ask if your child knows why China specifically poses a concern. Why do you think college campuses would ban TikTok from their public Wi-Fi networks? Do you think your school should ban TikTok from their Wi-Fi? Ask these open-ended questions to start the conversation with your kid. Yeah. I mean, I know that we did that same thing, and we may not even fully know the answers. I don't know 100% what the concern is between, you know, I have an idea, between China and the United States and what information they might be taking from phones. But just get your kids thinking about it, because this, if the government is banning it, this is, this is a public conversation. This is going on across the states. And some political leaders want to do even more in regard to banning it. And so, you know, because it is a Chinese-based com- company and, well, yeah, China yeah. is communist. I mean. They're, they're sus, as we would say. They're <laughs> sus. I mean, it's just important, yeah, to have those conversations since it's already in the open anyway. So I agree. That's a great talking point. All right. So the fourth talking point is hashtags. Now on TikTok, hashtags define each video. They designate it as maybe an ad, hashtag ad, for the viewer to recognize that that content creator is being paid to promote that certain product or service, or they can designate a challenge or trend that they are seeking to be a part of. Very often, you see creators also categorize their videos by ideological hashtags in order to be a part of a community surrounding that topic or view. For example, there is hashtag Christian talk. There is hashtag atheists of TikTok. There is even hashtag Satanists TikTok. But of course, there's simple groups like moms of TikTok, dads of TikToks. A new one I just saw is uh, hashtag grandfluencers. Chelsea, have you heard of grandfluencers? I have not. These are grandmas on TikTok that people are wow. fascinated to watch them cook or teach like moral lessons. I actually kind of like that. I haven't sought them out, but I saw this was a growing hashtag trend. I think there's something to be said that kids are looking for instructions on life and morality on TikTok. Is it happening at home? That's what we have to wonder, right? I know. Where's the, where's the grandparents just in their real lives? <laughs> right. But of course, that, that's the way our society is. I mean, they might not be anywhere near living their, with, you know, by their grandparents. So um, also other categories, of course, is hashtag edutalk for education, hashtag LGBTQ. I mean, it just could go on and on and on. So it's important to look at the hashtags used in order to understand a little bit of the motivation behind each video. If someone is just posting a video because they think it's funny and they really don't care about it going viral or making them famous, chances are they're not going to use as many or as specific hashtags. However, if the creator is motivated by a certain label or brand, challenge, trend, or ideology, you can see um, as many as like 20 hashtags in order to sort of cover their bases and make it into as many categories as possible. This can be a sign of someone's true motivation and really authenticity on the platform. Even more than that, though, for like Christian versus atheist content, for example, what I found interesting in some of my research was that Christians will put Christians, hashtag Christian talk, whereas atheists 
will use hashtag atheists of TikTok and Christian talk. They use both. Why is that? Because as we mentioned in one of the previous episodes, a lot of times they don't want to just be atheists and, you know, be that by itself. They want to take down every Christian with them. You know, they want to attract someone by using the hashtag Christian talk. And then here they are, they're hating on God, they're just refuting the Bible. So this is a great talking point with our teens is how will they discern what content is true? What is lies? What is just hatred of God? And honestly, because that's just what a lot of the atheists are posting is just angry content hating on God and anyone who believes in him. How are they going to walk through that if they see it and discern it? Here's another point about TikTok hashtags. So recently there was really like last week, I think, was a big controversy with a young beauty influencer posting about L'Oreal mascara. And her hashtag said, hashtag L'Oreal paid sponsor. And because her eyelashes looked like she had fake lashes on while she droned on about how this mascara was going to change her life, her followers called her out as being a fake and a liar because they felt that it was obvious she was wearing fake lashes. And then she was, of course, bragging about this mascara being life-changing. So this itself is a great talking point. Anytime you see an article come across your eyes that talk, talks about TikTok and some sort of popular thing that's happening with it, this is a great quest, way to bring up questions with your kids. How will they know who is authentic on there and who is just trying to gain fame or do paid sponsorships. You know, a recent survey shows that 70%, Chelsea, 70% of young people trust everyday influencers on TikTok more than celebrities. And we talked about that in one of our past episodes too, because they feel like they're just someone like me. You know, it's not like Justin Bieber promoting some product, right? You feel like because this is an average everyday person, they're more authentic and therefore they're more believable. Why? Ask your kids these questions. Would you trust a celebrity or would you trust an everyday influencer? And then how would you know or be able to tell if that influencer was manipulating or deceiving them to believe a lie? And then also, just in general, how can they apply discernment based on hashtags? So the goal would be really is for your child to be able to answer these. And as we go into the fifth talking point that you're going to talk about, Chelsea, we can kind of see why, but the hashtags is a real big thing that we can use to to help our kids navigate that. Absolutely. I think that 70% that you just mentioned, that percentage, it feels foreign to me. And I'm a millennial. I was born in 87, but it feels foreign to me to trust an influencer more than like the commercials with a celebrity because I grew up with commercials and celebrities in them, right? I didn't mm-hmm. grow up with influencers. And so I think a lot of us are looking at childhood and it's like comparing apples and oranges right now. It's so foreign to me, or I think even you would even agree to yourself. Yeah, I would, to me, yeah, exactly. Kids don't feel this way, but I would, I would definitely be thinking, mm, I cannot trust this person. Right. What source, you know, or validation do they have sort of right. to promote this sort of product, but, or whatever, this view Again, that's where we kind of have that, that Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> we know they can have just a little bit of knowledge, but a whole lot of confidence. And we know kids right. have a whole lot of time and young people have a whole lot of time to create these videos. So 
again, maybe that's just because we're skeptical, but for our young, for our teenagers, for our kids, adolescents, they don't feel that way. Right. Maybe it's just we've bought enough like asking on TV things that have just like broken. After <laughs> <life>. <laughs> All right. But you're right. This does take us into our fifth talking point, which I, I think is actually probably one of our best talking points, to be quite honest. But maybe that's just because I get to read it. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, our fifth talking point is co-viewed content. So because TikTok is ultimately, it's going to be desired by your child earlier than 16. We have some of the following recommendations in order to co-view content with them so you can teach them discernment before they are on the app alone. So if your child is asking for TikTok at or before age 13, it could be really wise for you to get TikTok yourself if you don't have it. Now, that might seem really crazy for us to say that, but hear, hear me out. If you get TikTok on your phone, you can help your kid preview the content before they have it. So we recommend that you find a few videos that are safe for your kids to see and you can save them or you could just text them to yourself or your spouse and have a few talking points about the video ready to go and ready to discuss when you sit down with your child and watch them together. There isn't any masking that you're selectively showing them content in order to teach them how to evaluate and discern it. So just be honest and let them know that this is just part of the process of earning the app for themselves. I think that, you know, kids may be like, why are you watching TikTok? And I think that's an important reality that you also have to share is, you know what? I'm you. I know you want it. So I'm previewing the content. I want to know what it is that you're going to be seeing on this app. So yeah, even though I don't want to spend my time doing this, I'm doing it because I care about you and I know that you want this app. Right. It's like watching movies before you let your kids watch them. Yeah, it absolutely. comes down to the same thing. So you could download a video. It could be two people dancing um, or doing a coordinated dance and you can evaluate how they're dressed, the hashtags they're using, the music they're listening to. You can ask your kid what they like or dislike about the video and what your concerns with the video like this would be, if there are any. And after doing this a while, you can gradually begin to co-scroll the app um, on your phone, on your, not, not the kid's phone, on the parent's phone. Allow them to scroll while you watch and observe what it is that intrigues them and causes them to pause on certain videos or even re-watch. Watch alongside and ask questions about what they like and what they didn't like about certain videos. If an example of something explicit or hateful or fake or dangerous comes up on your feed, stop to ask questions about how they would handle that content if mom or dad wasn't sitting right there. You can even ask them to identify how certain content misrepresents God, a Christian lifestyle, or just promotes the love of the world. How could this lead them into sin or lead them into pride, jealousy, greed, envy, and covetousness? You can also pause on some to read the hashtags and the comments. What insight is granted from a deeper look into the creator's motivation as well as what others feel about the video. Yeah, the comments can give you a, a real good insight as to how people feel about that, especially if it's, say, a girl dancing. And the comments oh, can be extremely gotcha. lewd. I mean, it's... And so then you kind of see, oh, this is the type of people that's being attracted to this video. Do you want to be part of that same type of person viewing that content? I would even ask your child to see if they can recognize the algorithm picking up on their interests. You know, do they feel that they're starting to see some of the same type of content repeat? And 
you know, how will they know that the algorithm has sort of figured them out? Because to me, I mean, granted, I'm an adult doing this for research. That's always intriguing me. But it shouldn't trigger our kids because, again, the algorithm has a lot of power. This is not a neutral entity. Yeah, I think all of this is just good preparation that can help maybe avoid some of the pitfalls of TikTok, like desiring fame and wealth, bad ideologies, dangerous challenges, and just explicit content. This way, also, if their friends have TikTok, they can be equipped to also apply this wisdom and discernment with their friends. Are these guarantees for successful use of TikTok? No, not really. The only way to guarantee success is for them to never get on TikTok to begin with. But this is more than most parents are doing right now. This is more and better training than any of their friends are getting. And frankly, it's profoundly better than just letting them download the app without a single bit of training. And that's what's happening. Sadly, that is what's happening. So yeah, I mean, these aren't guarantees, but they are definitely worth doing. And you know, Chelsea, let me throw in like a little bonus talking point that while we are doing this training, while we're walking through these videos and content feed with our kids, I think that talking about parental restrictions that TikTok allows can also be beneficial. You know, how much time do they think a person spending on TikTok is appropriate every day? I mean, because chances are you're going to be sitting there for 10 minutes and you're going to be like, this is enough. (laughs) We've seen enough. We've done enough. This is enough. But what was that average time? 80 minutes on the app. So can your child see why and how having boundaries on an app like this can be beneficial for time management and for mental health? Users under the age of 16 also cannot send or receive direct messages on the app. So what does your child think about that? Do they think that's dumb or wise? Why or why not? Get them thinking about why these restrictions are sort of available and in place so that they know like we as adults, as the creators of this technology, mm-hmm. know that it's not safe for someone under 16 to be able to communicate with just anybody and everybody on the app. And because regardless of when you allow the app on your child's phone, you know, unless they're 18, you really should be placing parental control time limits on it. This is just simple wisdom. Because remember, the average time is 80 minutes. That's almost an hour and a half every single day of global influence and frankly, wasted time. I mean, that is a lot of time. We can't say that our kids don't have time to be in God's word or don't have time to sleep so many hours a day. I mean, there's a million things that they probably should be doing other than 80 minutes on TikTok. I might also recommend that if you download the app for yourself, that you put a time limit on the app. I mean, I completely understand that you would be using it for research purposes only, but the reality is, is that the app is super popular and it's wildly addictive. I mean, time flies when you're watching 15 to 60 second videos, excuse me. Yeah, it's true. When you download the app and you may be like, okay, what is this all about? And it's true. Time will fly for you too. And then you're like, oh man, I wasted this time. So yeah, absolutely right, Chelsea. And remember, we've said it all the time and repeated all the time, social at 16. This is the earliest age we recommend a child to have a social media app on their phone. This doesn't mean you have to give it at 16, but considering that more social media typically equates to greater anxiety, depression, and loneliness, it is a decision that really should be prayerfully considered whether or not your child is ready. 
Well, brave parenting friends, I certainly hope this episode has helped you navigate some of TikTok with a little more wisdom and insight. And if you have a talking point that maybe we missed that you have found beneficial, man, we would love to know it. You can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. And if you didn't get to take notes while listening, don't worry. We will put a link to these talking points in the show notes. And if you found this helpful, we would love for you to share it, of course, with your friends and leave us a review on whatever platform you find your podcasts. Chelsea and I will be back next week with another episode of the Brave Parenting Podcast. Until then, go and be brave.